everybody, I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, joined by Ken Weep from Sportsnet. Together, we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is a special edition of the Kenny and Rennie Show as we're diving into the Manitoba Moose. I uh, can't exactly call it a series tee-up because this series has been teed up and uh, the, win- the winner, excuse me, the Manitoba Moose find themselves deep into the rough and needed to pull off some miracle shots to find their way out of this. But uh, I was reading in some of the comments before we got in here. I love this comment by Lynn Reimer who says, nah, K&R only ever have special guests on, never only sort of special guests. And that's exactly what we've got going on here today is we're going to be joined right away by Dave Lindu, who is, you know, has his finger on the pulse of the Manitoba Moose like nobody else in this city. Derek Meach, uh, who's with the organization, will join us as well. And then uh, an old friend of ours, not calling him old, but uh, boy, it was nice back in the days when he was in Winnipeg. He's moved on to cover the AHL full-time. Patrick Williams will join us uh, to give us an idea of, uh, you know, not just what he's seen from the Moose, but from around the entire league. Uh, so we're going to get right into it because what we found is when we've got quality guests like this, uh, there's not a lot of time to waste. So let's bring in our good friend, our brother, Dave Manuk from the Illegal Curve podcast. Uh, Dave, uh, do you mind sharing with everybody why you're at home and not at the rink as you usually would be? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine, yeah, uh, guys. I'm, I'm Unfortunately, I'm on IR. I, I got hit with uh, a little thing called COVID just at the last second. And of course, I'm not going to put anybody else at risk. So uh, I was feeling a little bit crummy, figured I'd do a test. And unfortunately, after two and a half years of avoiding it, somehow it finally got its, it finally got its claws into me. So I'm good, I feel all right, but uh, obviously not gonna put anybody at risk. So I'm staying home. I'll be watching with a lot of other fans. Dan Fink, do it on TSN3. I, I hope joints. I didn't. I hope I didn't give it to you because I had it just a couple of weeks ago before you. Uh, but it's funny. I was going to say similar to, uh, <laughs> to to you, avoiding it for two years, and then I saw that article that said if you don't have COVID yet, it's because you have no friends or no <laughs> to catch it from. So <laughs> I, went out, I went out shortly afterwards because I have a reputation to uphold. But uh, Dave, let's just uh, let's just dive uh, right into this. Um, sure. You've been watching this series. What have you seen from these first couple goals? You know, people who will just be checking in will see that the Moose are down to nothing and have their backs against the wall. What have you seen from this team? Have they met expectations? Have they missed expectations? Or what, what have you taken away from those first couple of games? Well, I mean, a, a lot of frustration because they've controlled the play, which is what we've seen them do all year long. I mean, they've, they've fired over 80 shots you know, at uh, Devin Cooley, who looks like he's the second coming of Patrick Wall right now because he came into the series with, uh, he was a career 898 save percentage, and now he's around 950, 960. So he's been phenomenal. The type, the quality of the shots, that's what head coach Mark Morrison hasn't loved. He's really kind of felt that the group needed to have more guys in front, more more um, action to take away his eyes, and they haven't really been able to do that. Milwaukee has boxed them out fairly successfully throughout the course of the uh, this series. But, I mean, the Moose have controlled the play. It's just, unfortunately, they're a young group. I'm not trying to make excuses, but they are a younger team in terms of playoff experience, and they just don't seem to have uh, that edge in terms of when they make a mistake, it ends up in the back of the net. You know, uh, David Gustafson, you know, five seconds left in the, in, the, in the period, in the second period, they just tied the game, one all. David Gustafson has the puck. There's a little bit of pressure behind him. He tries to fire it right up the middle gets knocked down, a blast from the point, and with 0.3 seconds to go, Milwaukee takes a 2-1 lead into the third period. Now, the Moose end up tying it and losing late because, again, they made a bad play at the end of a power play. It was an anemic power play. The power play hasn't been great. They made a, bad, a poor decision. And then, unfortunately, one of the other factors is Mikel Burton. 
Mikel Burton, I said, this team, I've been saying it all year, will go as far as him. Because even though they control the play, they really had to be concerned because, you know, he he's the wrong kind of goalie for this kind of system. He's the kind of goalie who likes a lot of action, a lot of volume, and he gets a little bit bored. And I think that's part of the problem for Mikel Burton. He gets a little bit out of it. He gets a little antsy. And that's when mistakes can happen. So I, I didn't love a couple of the goals that have gone in against them. But overall, I mean, if you boil it down the first two games, they haven't been able to score enough. Dave, uh, you know, listen to a bunch of the interviews th- throughout the course of the week. There seems to be a lot of belief, a lot of confidence. Uh, you've been around the team all year. Uh, is this something where it will be easy for them to be calm and, and treat it? You know, you got to find that ba- balance between having the urgency mm-hmm. but not kind of abandoning the things that gave them success except for the fact they were not able to puncture the back of the net behind Cooley in the first two games. And, and Secondarily to that, what about the quality of the chances they've been generating? Sounds like there were a bunch of missed nets, and is that a byproduct of squeezing the stick a little bit when a goalie does get hot against them? Yeah, I'll just answer your second one, Kenny. It's, I think there is a, a bit of that. I think Cooley's a bit in their head, and that's why he's the starting goaltender for Game 3 tonight. I, I didn't expect anything other than him because he's been very good for them. Connor Ingram obviously came back, as did Cody Glass and Matthew Olivier, but uh, you know, my expectation was that they would they would start with Cooley tonight, and then if they don't, they have if the Moose end up you know winning or, or beating them badly, then they can always go to Ingram for Game Four on Friday night. So I think Devin Cooley's in their head a little bit. I just think it's the quality of the chances. I really do. I think if if the Moose if you have put gave them some truth serum, they'd say, yeah, we're taking a lot of shots, but I mean they're they're easy to they're easy to block. They're safe, right? Because he's really they're shooting from 20, 30, 50 feet out. There's nobody in front. And one one thing you have to give Milwaukee credit for, they haven't allowed the Moose to set up. So the Moose try and, they, like I said, they'll control the puck, but Milwaukee attacks, attacks, attacks. And as a result, yeah, I agree, Joe, from Winnipeg. I, I blame Ezzy always. For, for anything that bad that happens, you always blame Ezzy. So that's that's tr- very true word. Truer words have never been spoken. So, you know what, uh, like I said, I, I think the Moose are, I, th- I don't think it's bravado, Ken. I don't think, like, when you hear Declan Chisholm talk after the game, and he talked again this morning, and he's an interesting one because he spoke, but he's been taking maintenance days the last two days. so He's going to be playing. Come yeah, on, he's going to be in there. He's no, going to be in there. I would anticipate that he would be playing, but I'm just saying, like, they wouldn't have made him available if he wasn't going to play, right? So, But he was a question mark, obviously, with taking two maintenance days for the Moose. But I, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's arrogance. I don't think it's false confidence or bravado. Like I said, I really do think that these guys have a belief that they know, like, look, we're a good team. We've controlled the play. We haven't scored. We haven't generated enough quality chances. But we can't, and we'll do it. And you know, like Bob, this is this is their home building. We've had a lot of success here. They've had a lot more wins and losses. So I, I do think that this team is confident in their ability to score. You know, you talk about that confidence in the ability to score. You also talk about the fact that, like, clearly the issue in this series is they haven't been able to score enough. Who in your mind on this roster does that fall on? I know the easy answer is to say, um, is to say, you know, it falls on everyone. You know, you got to get going as a team. Mm-hmm. But who do you think on that roster right now is looking themselves in the mirror and saying, if we're going to do this, I have to be better? Everyone, but but I, I'm not going to punt on the question, Sean. But I do believe I do believe it is it is incumbent on this team because, as we've talked about, we've talked about it on our show with you guys, or we've talked about it, you know, privately. The reality is this is not a t- high-scoring team in the sense that there's not one guy who is dominating uh, the scoring. And we went through it. Mikey Estimot, courtesy of the hat trick he had in the final game of the season against Abbotsford, he slipped into 83rd of the top scorers in the AHL, 83rd. Jeff Mallott was the only other guy in the top 100, I believe, at around 93, 94. So 
so it really is a collective effort. And I, I do put it on guys like Jeff Mallott because he has been their driver. He is the guy from the inner slot. Nobody scores more from the inner slot than Jeff Mallott. I, I'm pretty sure in the AHL, but for sure for this Moose team. So if you need someone who's, who's big and can score from that spot, I mean, Jeff Mallott is your guy. Uh, I look at Mikey Estimont because he too is a guy who, he wants that pressure. He got that taste of the NHL this year. You know he feels a little more confidence in his game. And he's 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 a it's kind of a shifty guy. So you you he's, he aggravates the the crap out of everybody else that he's playing. You should just watch when he's you know in the scrums. <laughs> Anytime there's anything happening, you know that Mike Yesimont is in the middle of it for this Moose team. And of course, uh, David Gustafson and Morgan Barrett. I mean, I think if any of those four guys really starts to to produce, then suddenly you've got something with this Moose club. Yeah. Morgan uh, showed very well with the Winnipeg Jets, obviously, a uh, goal and assist in his last game. He had a goal the last game as well. Uh, what have you seen from him? I know, so, you know, and having covered the American League for 10 years, uh, again, he had a great attitude going into the series, said all the right things. Sometimes the transition can be tough, especially after you've got your longest look in the NHL. How has Morgan played? And then we'll, as the co-conductors of the drivers of the Gus bus, we'll get to him in a second. But uh, let's start with Barron and how he's played in the first couple of games. Uh, I think he's looked good. I think there, you're right, Ken. There is a, a, a function of trying to get everybody back and comfortable again, playing with each other. Because for the most part, and that's one thing the Moose really can't, well, they can't say, well, you know, we have new guys, new faces. That's been their reality all year. This has been a plug and play group throughout the course of the season. And they've been very successful at it. So that's not really a, a concern for this Moose club. Because again, you know, throughout the course of the year, they've had to call guys up from the ECHL when, you know, Jets had COVID situation. So the prospects went up to the Moose or guys obviously signed to NHL deals, went up to, to the Jets, sorry, and they've had other guys step in. So I, I do think there is a, a little bit of getting used to, but again, when you have over 80 shots and your opponent has 40, you know, you, you've controlled the play, you've looked good. You just haven't been able to finish. And that ultimately falls on your, you know, on, I would say on the on the forwards, but the truth is from this defensive group, right? Johnny Kovacevic, 11 goals. Leon Gavanke, 10 goals. You know, Declan Chisholm, nine goals. I, I might be slightly off, but I mean, those you've been able to produce a lot of uh, scoring from the back end. So, uh, but going back to Morgan, I think he's I think he's skated really well. I think he's looked really good. I, I think he's getting more comfortable. And, and the truth is, the one thing that this team has with J Captain Jimmy Olney is confidence and, and a belief in each other. And Ken and I were talking about this. This Moose team has done this all year long where they've, They've been able to win three games. So, I, and they've in fact they've done it against Milwaukee in November. So it's not an impossibility, but it's it, you know they they're just going to take it one game at a time. As cliche as that sounds. You touched on it a bit there, Dave. The idea that this team has had so much turnover and you've been able to kind of just march on and be consistent, surrounded by inconsistency. Do you feel mm -hmm. that that's something that is going to serve them at this point, or is this? where they find themselves, the frustration that you talked about right off the top of the show. Um, is this an entirely new animal that maybe we haven't seen how this Moose team can react to that? Well, I mean, I, I would say that, Sean, if they were being dominated in the game, then maybe. But the problem is they just aren't scoring the goals. They've controlled the puck. I mean, what, what more can you want from a team to have possession, right? And that's all you can ask for. And look, has it been perfect? Have guys made the perfect play? No, and, and Milwaukee has been opportunistic in Milwaukee and, and Manitoba played 12 times this season right in the regular they know each other they know each other's tells they know each other's tendencies these guys have done a lot of scouting on each other so it's not like this is a new team that they have to kind of get used to there's no real like there's no real feeling out period I think like this is this is a team that they should be absolutely prepared to play so I really do just think it's 
it may just be nerves. It may just be the playoffs are, are a new animal for these teams, and they know that one mistake can end up in the back of your net, like it has, unfortunately, for the Manitoba Moose. And as a result, I think they're chasing a little bit. But playing in front of the home crowd, playing as well as they played in this building, I, I really do think you're going to see a different animal from this Moose Club tonight. And then, Dave, let's dive into David Gustafson. Obviously, he was banged up a bit late, sat out a couple of the games. Uh, mm-hmm. How has he played uh, since being back? And, and also, too, like bigger picture, we've talked about this before on your show, but how has he handled the frustration of, you know, in his, in his two call-ups ending so quickly due to injury, especially the one where the coach is asking his players to go to the net. He quite literally ran into the post and then got hurt. You're, you're going to be hard-pressed to find someone with a better attitude, maybe, you know, an Eric Comrie, but, but David Gustafson is right up there in terms of positivity and not lamenting his, his lot in life. He, he didn't come down to the Manitoba Moose and pout. He didn't say, I don't need to be here. He just takes everything like it is a challenge that needs to be in front of him and that he needs to conquer. So, uh, yeah, Kenny, I, I, don't, I don't think that there's been anything uh, poor about his play. I just think it's unfortunate that he came up with an injury uh, just before the season was able wasn't able to play the last couple of games against uh, Abbotsford and as a result and obviously wearing the yellow non-contact when the practices began before they left for Milwaukee so I mean he may not be 100% and guys aren't necessarily look the team lost uh, Christian Reichel uh, in the 30 seconds in, or not even 30 seconds into that game against Texas on the Tuesday and he hasn't you know originally uh, coach Morrison said well you know we're not really sure now it's a six-week injury right so I don't know how significant the injury is to David, but but like I said, I think he's there's a couple mistakes. Like I mentioned, the one that he just made that mistake of caught, tossing the buck up the ice and it ended up in the back of their net. But overall, I mean, he's such a responsible guy that you just see what he's able to do on the PK and what he does on the PBD and at five on five that you just know that there's a very good player there. Jeff, or excuse me, uh, Dave, you talked about uh, um, you know the confidence that this team has at home, and Jeff Kabili says your home cooking is what the Moose need to get back into the series. I entirely agree with that. I, the one thing about this series returning here and Cody Glass from Winnipeg entering this series, a player who has a ton that he wants to prove in order to get to the next level. There's no better you know, circumstances to do it under than the AHL playoffs, and he walks into his hometown doing it. What kind of effect do you feel that Cody Glass could have on this series? I mean, he can have a big one potentially, but the Moose have played Cody Glass at least 10 times with Milwaukee, and, and he can he can do damage to you. I mean, he's not, he's an interesting prospect. Um, you know, I mean, everybody uses the bust word right away because the guy isn't ripping up the NHL. But some guys just take a little bit longer. We've seen it with Jansen Harkin. We've seen it throughout the course of Mason Appleton. Guys just just take a little bit of time to get to the NHL. So, uh, you know, Sean, I, I think he's he's definitely helps them. I mean, you you can always augment your your lineup. But Milwaukee is showing that right now. And again, I haven't seen what their lines are going to be for tonight's game. But but my suspicion is, you know, obviously they're going to probably put Glass in. Maybe they'll put Olivier in. And as a result, you're going to have, a, you know, maybe a little bit more puck possession for, for Milwaukee. And maybe that's actually a good thing for this Moose team because perhaps, you know, that, that counterpunch punch is going to be a little bit better for this club because, like I said, there's probably a little frustration the way it's been playing right now. So perhaps if Mikel Burden is more engaged in the game and he's making the stops and then the Moose are, you know, counterattacking, it may end up being better for this team in the long run. Awesome stuff, Dave. Uh, we're hoping that you feel better and uh, enjoy the game tonight, and you know, hopefully, you get something in live before the season is over. We'll see. We'll see. I hope. But thanks for having me on, boys. Uh, yeah. Take chat. care. Take care, Dave. We really appreciate you sharing your expertise. Feel better. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, boys.
All right, we're gonna go from Dave, we're gonna go straight to Derek Meach. Uh, hey, if you want the, the word on the organization, get inside the organization and have <laughs> someone in their organization right there. I, I wanted you to give me an idea, Derek, what you've seen from this group that gives you confidence in a moment where this team needs confidence to get to where it wants to go. Yeah, well, it's it's been very impressive uh, all season long watching these guys play. Um, you know, they, they're a team that believes in each other. These guys uh, are a tight-knit group in, in the dressing room. And and I know from behind the scenes, being being around these guys constantly, uh, just how much they care about what they're doing on a daily basis. So, uh, you know, that's what gives me confidence in uh, in knowing that they're going to come out and respond, I think, tonight, uh, especially at home where, where they played so well uh, all season long. Mitchell, what stood out about those first two games? Obviously, we know the story about the goaltending, but in terms of the shot generation, and where did you see what did you see on the offensive side from the Moose in those first two games from being in the building? Yeah, well, uh, obviously the shot volume was wasn't an issue at all. Uh, you know, over eighty shots in two games. Uh, you know, that's that's exactly what you want to, to do, especially on the road uh, in a tough building in Milwaukee against a team that uh, that plays really well in front of their crowd. Uh, I thought it was a good way to to start the series off for the Moose. Uh, obviously frustrating, um, not being able to get uh, many pucks past Cooley, uh, and he, really that's been the name of the series here. Is uh, Devin Cooley has stepped up in a big way in uh, in the absence of Connor Ingram. And uh, you know it's one of those things that, uh, as a player, it could it could be frustrating definitely uh, when you when you're shelling that that many shots at the net and, and not getting results. But at the same time, um, you know you got to look at the big picture here a little bit too. And uh, and Milwaukee is a team that uh, that has some good veteran guys. That, you know, especially on the back end there, that that battle hard. Uh, you you, did, you weren't seeing a lot of second chance opportunities around Cooley. I think their defenseman actually did uh, a pretty good job of. Of taking away some sticks at the side of the net and uh, and doing a good job of, of deterring some of that uh, that action around the crease area, um, and so I think that's going to be a, a bit of the challenge for the Moose in tonight's hockey game is is you know getting shots, continuing that that flow of shots to the net, but but where are you getting those shots and and are you able to create some of those second third chance opportunities that, that make it difficult on a goaltender to have to move side to side and and battle very hard in his crease. Um, so I think that's going to be a, a big, a big factor in the game tonight. But aside from even even the offensive output and, and the shots on net, I think uh, a very uh, key part of tonight's game is going to be who's going to defend well, who's going to defend the best. Because uh, we all know that, um, you know, as, if you're defending well, if you're doing what needs to be done in your own end, if you're playing with five in your own end and, and coming underneath the puck with speed through the neutral zone, uh, that's what really creates some of those uncomfortable situations for opposition defensemen trying to gap up in the right ways and, and different things like that. So um, I think uh, I think it's going to be a hard fought battle. It's going to have to be the same mindset on, on that shot volume. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is the playoffs and uh, no, no goals are easy to score. And so uh, if you're on a team that uh, has historically um, been a team that, that scores by committee, uh, you have to be creative and find some of those ways to, to get in those areas to score those hard playoff hockey goals. You know, there's no greater pressure than playoff hockey itself. So maybe that's enough in the way that Cooley has performed. Maybe he's shown that he's up to the task. But I wonder this Ingram returning, that angle, especially what he did at the NHL level, it fascinates me. Now, he's going to back up tonight. But, you know, Dave was on here talking and saying this is essentially one of these situations the way he sees it, that they're going to go with Cooley until Cooley fails, right? So if Cooley fails tonight or loses tonight, I shouldn't say fails. You know, Ingram's going to get his opportunity. But... 
the thing I find fascinating about that, isn't that a level of pressure that has been put on Cooley's shoulders that didn't exist before this game here in this series? And can that be exploited? Yeah, well, I mean, Devin Cooley has played against the Manitoba Moose in, in this the season series and, and done pretty well in that. Uh, and, and obviously, when you have a goalie uh, tandem that uh, is is competing hard uh, and putting sort of that that competitive pressure on each other, I think that's going to benefit in, in a lot of different ways. But yes, I think uh, I think there is a bit of more pressure now that Connor or Connor Ingram is going to be sitting on the bench, um, you know, to to make sure that uh, if Devin Cooley's what he's thinking is that uh, he's got to make sure that he's on top of his game uh, if he wants to stay in that crease. Also, super interesting. Like goalies get hot, they play back to back and two-day break doesn't seem like much but when a goalie's out of his mind you would probably bet Cooley would have preferred the game to be Sunday right Mitra I mean that could be something where you're not going to be lacking confidence but it can go just as quickly you can get cold as quickly as you can get hot can't you oh for sure and uh, you know that's the thing about the American Hockey League playoffs is sometimes you have these these stretches between games like two games isn't that bad in the American Hockey League sometimes you, you get up to three and four days in between games so but you're exactly right. As a hockey player, as, as, a, as a guy that likes to compete every night, uh, you know, these guys uh, taking a bit of time off, you have to make sure that, uh, especially going on the road, a bit of travel involved, um, you know, I'm not sure if they skated yesterday or not, but you, you, you have to make sure that you, uh, you get on the ice and, and, you know, the mental side of your game's there, but also you're pushing your body in the right ways and, and preparing properly uh, to give yourself the best success. You know, the way that there's so much turnover in the roster this year is a perfect example of kind of, you know, maybe it's hard to build up hate with other teams or other players if people are constantly coming in or out. But I take a look at this situation, and I don't think that the Jets have ever had a hotter rivalry than the one they had with the Nashville Predators around the 2017, 18, 19 seasons. Um, How would you describe the rivalry between these two teams? Well, it's 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 heated up all season long, and as you mentioned, these guys have played each other quite a few times this season and had uh, a really good battle in, in every one of those games. Uh, um, and so, you know, you saw in the first two games in Milwaukee, uh, it carries right over into that first series. The first game, there's a bit of tentativeness in you know the first ten, you know, fifteen minutes of that first period. But you know, after whistles, you're starting to see guys going after each other, pushing and shoving. The emotion level was ramped up pretty quickly in those first two games. And, uh, and you better believe that uh, with Carl Taylor uh, you know, behind the bench for uh, the Milwaukee Admirals, he's going to have these guys focused and ready to go in, in, uh, in a game where, you know, they, they understand, uh, you know, how good of a record the Moose have at home. And, you know, and that's what you work so hard for during the season is to uh, establish yourself and make it very difficult for away teams to come in your building because at times like this, uh, it becomes a huge opportunity uh, to jump on these teams and uh, and to ramp up that physicality early in the hockey game. Meacher, one of the interesting parts about the American Hockey League is the is the that roster fluctuation, but sometimes it can be a challenge for guys to come back to the American League after successful stints, especially late in seasons. How have Morgan Barron and Dylan Sandberg handled that? I know, I mean, you would have seen it whether it was in St. John's or Texas. That can sometimes be a challenge with the integration. How have those two guys played in the first two games? What do you expect from them here tonight? When you get to a third game where maybe you're feeling a bit more comfortable. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, it is difficult. I, I think that uh, there's a different pace, uh, you know, and a different uh, style of game. The American Hockey League, 
Uh, you could argue it's a little more physical, a little more individual effort uh, has to be made at times. Uh, not all the guys are in the right spots all the time in the NHL. It's, it's quick. You guys are right there. You make the pass, uh, especially in your own end as a young defender. Uh, in certain ways, it makes it a little bit easier. So, uh, you know, I think Dylan Sandberg has done such a great job all season long here. Um, really making his presence known and, and getting a good opportunity with the Jets is awesome to see. And uh, I think they both of those guys, Morgan Barron and Dylan Sandberg, have looked uh, looked good. Um, it, but you know, again, it's it's one of those things where you have to adjust your level a little bit. You have to uh, you know have to do the, the things mentally that uh, that are going to help you su- succeed on a nightly basis. And uh, and again, it's at the end of the day, it's playoff hockey, and, and it's uh, the game is taken to another level. So uh, you know, get. Getting that adjustment uh, sort of uh, down pat uh, in the first two games, I think these guys are going to come out here tonight, uh, guns ablaze, and, and, and that's what you hope anyway. Derek, you've been on both sides of that. In, in your per- career, personally, being at the AHL level, trying to fight your way up and then coming down, um, I, I'm interested in the idea of you know the players at the heart of it who are trying to play their way up into the NHL. Clearly, as you pointed out, the playoffs are an entirely different animal, and I'm sure general managers and coaches want to see how those players respond to that pressure. And so, I'm I'm wondering for for those guys who feel like they're on the bubble. You know, the the Barons, the Sandbergs, the Hainalas. Is there an added level of pressure? in the playoffs in the AHL when you're trying to get over the hump that maybe wouldn't even exist in the NHL because when you're in the NHL you can just focus on the games but now you're kind of very aware that how you perform in these very tense moments has a a really great effect on your future. Yeah I think um, there is certain pressure to that uh, for sure and as a player you, you know I think the mindset has to, to sort of go away from the pressure side of it to, to more of the opportunity, and it is a challenge. Uh, it's part of the, uh, the, the, the landscape of what's going on. You have to make sure that you're, you're prepared in the right ways. And, um, you know, uh, I think the biggest thing for, for guys that are, that are in that situation where you're coming up or coming down is, is to stick with the game that you, you know how to play. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're in the NHL or if you're in the American Hockey League, uh, you know, there's a reason why that you've been scouted and that you've been, you know, highly touted throughout career is because you've played a certain way, and uh, and to get away from that, uh, you know, really doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, you know, stick with the way you, you what's brought you success in your in your career thus far, and uh, and focus on the good things that you do on the ice. And I think that uh, you know it it, uh, it becomes a very good opportunity, and uh, and this is the time where you can you can turn some heads and, and sort of uh, you know cement how important you can be to the organization. Sure. Obviously, we talked a lot about the defense core this year. It's such an interesting spot. The Jets have gone from like being defensively deficient to having a surplus, and now you have like four different guys jump up, and now there's not room for all of them. But how do those guys handle themselves at the two levels? What's maybe stood out to you? I mean, maybe we'll go one by one. I mean, Johnny Kovacevic maybe has has been the guy who came the furthest this year. Had a strong training camp, got his first taste. And I guess you could also say that about Declan Chisholm, a guy who I was impressed with last year with his mobility. I know you've seen him a lot. Maybe let's just drill into those two guys first before we get to Hanela. What stood out to you about Kovacevic and Chisholm in terms of their development? A, how they handled the jump to the NHL when they got their, their chance, and B, how they played at this level here. Well, yeah, it's been very impressive. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, especially Jonathan Kovacevic, he, he's talked about how he wants to, uh, you know, be a, a 
you know, be a, be a two-way defenseman, really uh, add a level to his game where he can get up in, in the play. And he's proved that by uh, putting a, a lot of goals on the board uh, this season and not being part of the power play. And, and uh, Declan Chisholm, uh, again, a guy that, uh, you know, he's offensively gifted. Uh, that's pretty clear on the blue line, along with uh, Leon Gavanka. Those two have some really good chemistry going and, uh, and they're dangerous from the point. But uh, the thing that I've seen from, both of those guys, Kovacevic and uh, and Declan Chisholm, is is the way they've uh, progressed in their own end. I think that uh, you know making those those little plays, uh, stopping the play quickly, um, turning that puck around, and, and getting it going the right way uh, without turning the puck over, and, and ending up spending a lot of time in your own end. I think that's been a very big key uh, to both of those guys' success. Jonathan Kovacevic, more of a, like the bigger shutdown sort of defenseman, uh, doing a good job on the on the penalty kill. Uh, Moose Belly Kill has been fantastic all season long, and, and a big part of that has been because of Jonathan Kovacevic as well. So, um, really, these guys are, are starting to develop in, in a really good way, but not only offensively, but on both sides of the rink. And I think that's been uh, really key to their development this season. Ken, you want to take them through the the other two defensemen you wanted to talk about? Oh, sorry. Just, I mean, we talked about Hanela Uwe Sandberg. We started with, but Hanela. I mean, again, it also can be challenging, right? Because he had to sit a lot. Uh, he has that offensive side. There are times at the American League level, I wouldn't say he looks bored, but the engagement can sometimes be tough, right? I mean, again, I, you don't have to use the words, but I will. Um, <laughs> what have you seen from him in terms of his ability to ramp up his game and to kind of can take over at times? Because the, the biggest thing for him right now is he needs to be dominant at this level. Mm-hmm. We know that he's probably ready next year, but he needs to be dominant at this level given his skill set, doesn't he? I think he does. Yeah, I think there's a side to that. Uh, you know, myself being a smaller defenseman when I was coming through and, and having power play opportunities and different things, I think that you do have to make sure that uh, you're playing to your strengths. And uh, Billy Hainala is a guy that is uh, very highly skilled. You see the way he moves across that blue line and those individual moves that he makes coming around defenders, uh, finding shot lanes, uh, that stuff that he's uh, just continued to get uh, very, stay very good at uh, during this whole season. Uh, but again, I think uh, as a young defender, um, the, the key is, is to be able to handle yourself in your own end. Uh, if, uh, if, if you can't, play defense, especially at the national hockey level in your own end and uh, and make sure you're moving that puck up the ice uh, with efficiency, then it's tough to break through. And so I've seen his game develop in a positive way this season in that regard. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, he's a guy that just has to keep his, his, uh, his ax to the grindstone and, and continue to, uh, to work on that side of the game. And uh, again, defense is, is a position that takes a little bit of time to, uh, to mature in. And, uh, and it, it, it's all part of the process here. Uh, Billy Hainala is, uh, is a high character guy too, uh, well liked around the room. And, uh, and uh, he continues to impress on a daily basis here. And I think, uh, I think uh, we look forward to a lot, of, a lot of good hockey out of Billy too. Derek, one of my favorite parts about watching playoff hockey at any level is kind of the chess match going on between coaches, the in-series adjustments that kind of make things, you know, can turn a series on its head. I, I don't know if we should expect that from from the Moose and, and an t- entirely different turn, but I'm wondering if you've seen much in the way of in-series adjustments or has Milwaukee kind of come into this with a game plan that they've been getting by with and kind of white-knuckled their way through the first two games? Yeah, well, as I mentioned before, uh, you know, the Moose, I don't think in game two, especially came out in that game and, and had a first period uh, that, that they, they were super happy with. I think uh, that's why you saw the second period. I don't think Milwaukee spent more than a minute 
uh, in the uh, Manitoba Moose zone, uh, getting three shots on net in that period. Uh, and the response from the Moose in that period was was huge. So those are the kind of things that you see in game, uh, you know, those adjustments uh, that you're talking about, um, you know, hemming them in their own end, especially in a long change opportunity uh, where you, you have to realize that, uh, you know, you're in a situation where it's, it's a must win and you, you have to continue to push. Uh, I thought they did a great job in that game of, of responding in that second period. And uh, I think that's where the frustration lies a little bit is, is when you're pouring on that kind of pressure and not getting the results you need. Uh, it can be a frustrating thing. And, and so uh, that's going to be important along with, again, staying disciplined, uh, you know, with some additions to this group uh, in tonight's hockey game, namely Cody Glass. Uh, you want to make sure that you're keeping Milwaukee off the power play. And uh, on the other side of things, um, you know, making sure that uh, the power play is coming out there with a good mindset to uh, to try to capitalize on some of, the, some of those opportunities because it could be the difference maker at the end of the night. Mitra, just going back to Hanela for one second, I, I love that exchange when he was up at the podium with Nate Schmidt this t- late in the season and Nate was telling him about how long it took him to become a regular. And he's like, how old are you? How old are you, young man? <laughs> and then shared the experience of, of the Capitals trading for someone at the deadline to knock him into the press box. Like, I, I, Billy was paying so close attention. Did you ever have a moment like that in Detroit? You know, you're surrounded by Lindstrom and Cronwall and those guys. Can you remember a moment like that where, to me, it's not that it wasn't there before, but to me that was like a light switch kind of moment for Billy where he realized that maybe he's closer than it appears, even though you wish it had happened yesterday kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I, for sure. And, and uh, again, that's, uh, you know, some of the frustration sometimes as a young player, you, you feel like you should be there and uh, you put that, that internal pressure on yourself to, uh, to try to succeed in that way. But uh, again, it's all a process here. Uh, you, you can't rush the situation, especially as I mentioned, uh, for the defending back end uh, as, a, as a young player coming up. Uh, there's a lot to learn. And, uh, you know, it's uh it wasn't uncommon to see guys spend three seasons at least in the American Hockey League, especially back when I played. Maybe it's a little bit different nowadays. You're seeing younger guys uh, more consistently break through. Um, but, uh, you know, there's still a lot of players uh, that are grinding away and doing what they need to do to uh, to try to give themselves an opportunity at the next level. And uh, and I think patience is, is a big key there. And, uh, you know, sometimes that's hard as a young player to, to hear, you know, you got to be patient, like stick with it. And, you know, sometimes you, you end up almost overworking in, in certain situations. I remember there's a lot of situations where uh, as a young player, um, you know, you do everything you possibly can, uh, you know, to give yourself the best opportunity. And sometimes that's even a little too much at times. Uh, there's a certain level uh, where you sort of settle into and, uh, you know, the game just starts coming to you a little bit. Uh, and so I think you're right. I think Billy Hano is, is very close to that. And, uh, again, it's just it's just a matter of uh, having the right support ar- around him, which I think the Moose do a good job of. The, I think the coaching staff's been fantastic. Mark Morrison, uh, Eric Dubois, and Marty Johnson, uh, you know, with all their players, uh, really being patient and uh, and letting them, you know, come into their own games and, and uh, learn as much as they can so that when they're able to, to finally take that next step, uh, they're, they're stepping in and, and they're having a lot of success. That patience you're talking about is, you know, an overarching patience as they try to get somewhere in their career. But clearly patience is going to apply to the Manitoba Moose trying to make sure they can, you know, break the dam and get in there. I'm wondering from what you know of this team, who are the players right now 
who would you expect are taking that frustration and set to channel it in the right way and maybe break this this series open back in the moose direction? Well, I think it's it's got to stop with your start with your with your top uh, with your top guys, and, and again, that's a cliche thing to say, but uh, you know, in situations like this, uh, you know, the Moose have a, a ton of depth on this team. Uh, you look through the lineup, and uh, and really, it's it's a well-rounded uh, you know group of forwards out there, along with those defenders in the back end that uh, pour on the pressure from the blue line. So, uh, I think guys like Jeff Malott, CJ Cease. Austin Gansky, David Gustafson, uh, obviously Morgan Barron uh, just coming down, getting getting a better feel for the organization now. He seems like he's really settled in. Uh, these guys are going to be big factors here in tonight's hockey game, along with Jimmy Olenny, the captain. Uh, he's been fantastic all year long. Uh, he's been has been great again with as we talked about Billy Hainala uh, paired up with him a little bit uh, as of late. So uh, you know it's going to be important for for those guys to come out and uh, and have a, a, a big sixty minutes of hockey. And uh, again, I think that's the key too is is coming out. Uh, I think the start in tonight's game is going to be a big key. Uh, you know, back on home ice, the, the crowd's going to be excited and uh, keeping your emotions in check, but making sure that uh, you're pouring on pressure early and uh, and putting some doubt into this Admirals team, uh, if you can, uh, to get things going in the right direction. Derek, you touched on the coaching staff there, and I'm curious, and Mark Morrison's not new to the organization, but this is first chance to be a head coach at this level. It's been a revolving door of players, different circumstances, COVID, everything else. What stood out to you about how he was able to get the buy-in and establish that winning culture over the course of the season this year? Yeah, well, uh, I have a uh, pretty good experience with Mark myself uh, in St. John's for the Ice Caps. He was our assistant coach, our D coach at the time there, and uh, I found him to be a very positive, uh, you know, part of my experience while I was with the Ice Caps. Uh, I really enjoyed my interactions with Mark, and I think the key with with him is uh, he, he's really good at empowering players. Uh, you know, he he's not coming at you and and uh, you know barking at you and ordering you around all the time. He's interested in knowing. Uh, sort of what's on your mind and, and what you're thinking uh, so that, you know, you can come together in a consensus and, and go forward in a positive way. Uh, that's that's really uh, beneficial to not only the player, but, uh, but but the team in general. So uh, I think Mark has done a fantastic job at that. He's, he's, he's even keel nature. Uh, and, you know, I, I would I would say laid back is maybe not the right word, but just uh, he, he's got a good way of, uh, of keeping things sort of right in the middle. Uh, but but while also making sure that uh, you know guys are are, are uh, accountable and buying into the program, and I think it's been pretty obvious uh, throughout the season that uh, that's that's worked pretty well uh, with this group of guys uh, responding very well. Um, and uh, uh, you know I don't see it changing at all in tonight's hockey game. I think uh, you know he's gonna he's gonna leave it uh, to the players to decide what they want to do in tonight's hockey game. And I think that's uh, that's a big thing uh, as a head coach is, is having that confidence in your players that they're gonna dig down deep in these hard situations and, uh, and come up with a good answer. Derek, I'm gonna coach this next question by saying, sometimes I hate asking this question <laughs> because usually there's just like often not an answer to it, but it's been brought up a couple of times. It's been a theme here about how well this team plays at home. Usually the answer to this question is like, if we knew we'd bottle it and we'd just carry it forward. But every once in a while, someone can give a pretty good answer. Do you have a good answer on why this team has done so well at home? 
Well, I think, uh, you know, these guys, uh, again, I, they've gone through a, a pretty tough period of time in the last couple of years here, not being able to uh, put a full season together, um, you know, playing out of the ice flex for, for a certain period of time. And then I think finally getting in front of some fans back down at uh, Canada Life Centre has been a huge boost to morale in, in a lot of different ways for, for not only the players, but everyone around the city. And so uh, I think these guys have really uh, embraced that. I think they've, they've come out and realized that uh, there's a big opportunity here, um, you know, as a hockey player to enjoy what you're doing. Uh, and I think that uh, they've done a great job with that. And if you're, if you're, you know, the times that you're not enjoying yourself is usually when you're not doing too well and when you're losing. So, uh, you know, to make sure that you're having the right mindset on a nightly basis, uh, you know, most 90% mental is, is coming out and preparing the proper way to uh, to come out in front of your home fan, fans and, and put on a show. And uh, these guys have done a great job of that all season long. Derek, Derek, that was a great answer to a stinker <laughs> of a question. Thank you for saving me there. Sorry, back to you, Ken. Mitra, you played in front of a lot of you know different goalies over the years, different personalities, different styles. I mean, we've we've seen glimpses of Mikhail Burden's personality. We know that he's maybe not quite as uh, you know uh, adventurous, maybe outside of his crease this year by design, uh, but still very intense, individual, physical, athletic, all those things. How would you describe his development over the course of the year, and how do you think his mindset is suited? to a kind of a win or go home type of scenario here. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you know, Bertie's, uh, he's been great all season long. He, you know, I think Drew McIntyre has done a great job with him and uh, in taking over for Rick Sinclair, which is not an easy thing to do. Obviously, uh, uh, Mikhail Burden and Rick had a really good relationship, but, uh, you know, the changeover uh, has been sort of seamless in that regard. Uh, and so, uh, you know, Mikhail is a guy that, uh, you know, he, he works very hard, uh, you know, in practices. He saw that uh, even coming home after those couple tough games in Milwaukee. Um, you know, but, you know, the thing I was impressed about with Mikhail is, uh, you know, he's a guy that sort of almost thrives on on, on getting some, some shots on him. Uh, you, you see him sometimes in the net there when he's he's not getting the, the, the volume of shots. You, you start to see him kind of get out of his net a little bit and try to get involved any way he can because that's his nature. He's He's got that fiery side to him where uh, he wants to compete. He wants to be in the game. And uh, I thought he did a good job in those two games of, of managing, like you said, not coming out of his net, not being in any risky situations, playing the puck well, but, you know, settling in and and, uh, and, and trying to be patient with, with what was happening in a difficult situation where, you know, you get three shots in, in a second period in that hockey game. And, and that's difficult on a goaltender to, to sort of stand there the whole period and then have to come out in the third and, uh, and, and put up a, a good effort. So, uh, you know, I've been impressed with him all season long. He, he's uh, he's done a good job. He had, he had a bit of an injury situation that he had to battle through, and I thought since then he's come out uh, like he said with the fire in his eyes. And uh, you know, he's going to be a huge factor in this hockey game tonight uh, as well. Tarek, uh, last one for me. Uh, you talked about the need earlier on of staying off the P PK with a guy like Cody Glass coming back. Just for you know our fans here who are interested in Winnipeg prospects and a Winnipeg boy, um, what level of danger does Cody Glass bring to this series? Well, he just adds another level, you know, especially from the half wall there. Uh, you know, this is a Milwaukee team that, uh, again, they're heavy around the front of the net. They, they like to get traffic in front. Uh, but when you have Cody Glass on, on the half wall, uh, he's able to see those those skilled plays, those seam plays, 
uh, if, if are given to him, he can pick through those plays and, and, uh, and set his teammates up for success. So, uh, you know, he's, he's a dynamic guy that uh, can bring the puck up with, with good pace. And, uh, you know, he's always someone that you have to have your, your eye on on the power play. And uh, he's had some success, especially in this building in this season uh, already against the Moose. So, uh, again, he's a guy that uh, you have to make sure that you're, you're focused on and you know where he is so that uh, he doesn't uh, put one in the back of the net on uh, a quick one lineup-wise for the Moose. What is it going to mean to have Mikey Asimont jump up to that top line, Meacher, with David Gustafson and Morgan Barron? I mean, it just it brings a little bit of a different dynamic, but what do you expect from him uh, jumping up on that line for a team that's looking for a bit more offense here tonight? Yeah, well, offense has been sort of the uh, the, the talk around around the room a little bit. Uh, you know, just making sure that they're, they want to capitalize on some of these shots that they're putting towards the net. So I think in practice, there was a big focus on, uh, you know, making sure that uh, the shot mentality is there and, and not only getting the puck on net, but scoring some goals. And I, I saw Mikey working very hard in the last couple of practices. And, and again, he's a guy... Uh, that's been so effective uh, throughout the season on on uh, his tenacity on the puck. He's able to uh, get in on the forecheck, recover pucks, and, and dish it in a, in a really skilled way to his line mates. And so when you have guys like David Gustafson in the front of the net, Morgan Barron that uh, scored a late goal in that game too, uh, to, to pull the moose uh, even in that, uh, you know, he's a big factor there too. And, and uh, to get pucks on those guys' sticks is going to be is going to be huge. And, you know, also Mikey, uh, has the ability to get into the skin as well. He can wrap up the physicality. He's not afraid, uh, you know, to get in there and, and make his presence known. And so uh, that'll be a very interesting line to watch tonight. Derek, we know you're busy on game days. It means a ton to us that you stop by to share uh, your expertise with both us and our audience. Uh, for the sake of you, for the sake of the organization, for the sake of Winnipeg hockey fans, I'm hoping things turn uh, in this series so we have lots to talk about going forward. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy Thanks the broadcast tonight too. Enjoy the broadcast. Yes, I will. It'll be uh, it'll be fun to do it with Daniel Fink here. And uh, again, you guys have an awesome show, and I appreciate you. I'm honored to have, to be on here with you guys. So thank you. Oh, appreciate we're you. honored to have you. Thank you, Derek. Have fun tonight. And we're going to bring in uh, Patrick Williams last here. Uh, last but definitely not least, as plugged in as the gets in the AHL. Patrick, from everything that I've been hearing. Uh, from you know the, the little bit that I've seen of it, it sounds quite a bit like you know the, the Manitoba Moose have maybe deserved a better fate. That maybe they've been the better team, but it hasn't come that way on the scoreboard. Now, I, I don't know if you agree with that, but I'm wondering if there's maybe something you've seen missing from their game that maybe they're right where they should be. Yeah, it, it's a good point that you bring up. Uh, Mark Morrison, head coach of the Moose. Uh, has really harped on the on the idea that they're not getting enough traffic in front of the net. They're not getting rebounds. They're not, you know, making that life difficult uh, for goalie Devin Cooley uh, to the first two games. So yeah, on the, on the shot clock it looks great, 86 shots in two games, and you're thinking just a lot of averages they should go through. But a lot of them are long distance shots. A lot of them are you know, not through traffic and any sort of rebounds. He's scooping up, and there's, there's nobody there to disrupt him or, or make his life more difficult. Is it a sustainable thing for Cooley, Patrick? I mean, you look at this guy, here's a guy who was like 890s uh, during the year. All of a sudden, he looks like Jordan Bennington uh, on a heater. I mean, I was just talking to Aaron Sims before, and he mentioned it was hard for him to get into a rhythm this year just given how much Connor Ingram played, but he won a couple important games late, and he kind of went into the playoffs with a lot of confidence. 
Yeah, I mean, Connor Ingram led the league 55 games played this year, an absolute workhorse. Uh, uh, quite frankly, I think at this point, Connor Ingram has outgrown the American Hockey League. He's uh, just kind of biding his time in, in, until a spot opens up in Nashville. So uh, for a guy like Cooley, he's kind of had to be the understudy. Um, in a situation where I think with a lot of other teams, he would be, if not the main guy in net, he would at least know be playing 30 something games a year and uh, so he hasn't had that opportunity is it sustainable i mean this as you know uh, from all your years covering the moose this is a strange league uh it's uh unpredictable in the sense of how players growth can really uh fast track uh first second third years of their pro career so um he only has to win one more game here best of five uh, uh formats so um yeah, I think it's sustainable for now, anyway. I mean, I get it, Patrick. You ride the hot hand, so Devin Cooley has been, you know, we keep talking about all these shots in his face he's gotten through, so I entirely understand it, but at the same time, to your point, Connor Ingram looks like he's outgrown this league. Never mind the fact that he went in and went up against one of the most dangerous teams in the NHL, and at least for a bit, really more than held his own, made that series potentially more interesting than it should have been. Is there any level of surprise in you that Devin Cooley gets to start in this game when you've got you know, a nuclear weapon sitting on the bench behind him? I would just say I think Devin Cooley's probably on a very short leash. <laughs> um, you know, I think this is a chance where, hey, you're up 2-0. You have three chances to close close out this series. If he's not great tonight, you come right back with Connor Ingram. Connor Ingram now has a couple days to kind of reacquaint himself with the AHL, maybe come down from that NHL high that he's been on for the last uh, week or so, and then be ready to go in game four if necessary. So I, I think uh, – in this case, Milwaukee is playing with house money a little bit, um, and uh, they're not in a situation where um, they necessarily have to go right away uh, to Ingram. Then again, you know, you, you never want to, you know, play fire too much in the playoffs because it yeah. can get away from you, especially in a short short series like this. But uh, I think that's the thinking uh, with Milwaukee uh, tonight. Patrick, you touched on Mark Morrison's you know, demeanor during the course of the things. I know you jump on a lot of the Zoom calls and check out a lot of the availabilities. Uh, just fans in the market here, I don't think are very familiar with Mark and his story. He's been around the league different times. Mm-hmm. You know, he worked for both Randy Carlisle and Dallas Aikens uh, with the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, what's to know to you about how he's handled and navigated what were some challenging circumstances for the Manitoba Moose this season? Yeah, it's been interesting seeing him uh, really kind of get his own shot at this level to run his own show. Uh, he's a low-key personality. Uh, he's not, as you know, sometimes at this level, uh, coaches can get a little bit into that self-promotion mode. Um, they are one step away from the NHL, and uh, sometimes they promote themselves as much as the players. Um, but uh, he's low-key. He doesn't really uh, ever draw any sort of attention or credit toward himself. And uh, he's uh, he's done a great job. I mean, on paper, it's not a great roster, but uh, they play really well as a team, very cohesive, uh, and, and it's kind of a scoring-by-committee approach as well. So a lot of that, I think, has to go, go on him and what he's been able to do uh, coming in and uh, getting, you know, an okay, but not certainly by any stretch of the imagination dazzling roster. Uh, getting them into the playoffs, number one, and number two, uh, having a situation where they have home ice in the first round. 
You know, I, I find this interesting because you take a look at the series and you take a look at the shots, and I think people are thinking, you know, what's happening with Milwaukee isn't sustainable, mm-hmm. and, and Manitoba just needs that little bit of a break. But to your point about this being not an overly offensive roster and having, you know, doing the, the scoring by committee thing, mm-hmm. I, I'm wondering if maybe this is something that either the Moose should have expected, that scoring could dry up, and if you don't have the guys to kind of lead the way, it could get you there. Or if this, should the Moose be able to pull off a comeback, is something that they're going to need to be concerned about or maybe their Achilles heel going forward for the rest of the playoffs. Well, yeah, uh, you know, and I guess scoring by committee can go one of two ways, right? You know, in some cases you see a team that's kind of a, maybe a top heavy team, one or one and a half lines. And if, if you can shut that line down, there's not much behind it. Um, the Moose are diametrically opposite uh, setup uh, in the sense that uh, they're pretty solid top to bottom, but there's not that game breaker that they have. So, um, I, yeah, I do think it's a challenge for them. Uh, and we're really seeing that, you know, when you get into these short series, I mean, um, in some cases there was a best of three for certain teams to play into this uh, top 16. So that was kind of the most exaggerated effect of, uh, you know, where it's a quick series and just one or two bad games and you're done. Um, for the Moose, uh, if they do manage to somehow get to past Milwaukee, and it's not looking great right now for them, uh, you'd be more or less likely to run into Alex Line with uh, the Chicago Wolves, who's a top goalie in the league. Um, you know he can he can take it serious himself. Uh, he a couple years ago when he was with uh, Philadelphia's system, he had a five overtime win. So that's the kind of goalie you'd be going up against. And when he gets on a roll, he's almost unbeatable. So I think for the Moose, yeah, this has been their Achilles' heel. And uh, you know when it drives up, it really drives up. I think for them, and, and that's kind of the where they're at right now. Patrick, I'm curious for your take on the defense score. We obviously have talked about them a lot. A lot of guys got their first chance this year. Some others got a little bit more run than they've had in the past. And again, this is such a rare situation where at times this year, the Jets or the Moose have run three defensemen on a power play, given how creative and offensively gifted they are. Uh, what's your overall take of the group and, and maybe gauge their NHL readiness? Yeah, it's interesting because honestly, for, for, for Manitoba, a lot of the a lot of the play, that offensive play, kind of starts in that back end, uh, more so than a lot of other teams. And, you know, like you said, the three defense uh, in power play. And uh, it's a dynamic group. I mean, you really look up and down that group. Uh, Kovac Savage uh, this season, uh, Declan Chisholm, uh, obviously Billy Anala, right right down the list. I mean, it's as good a blue line, I think, as any in this league. Um, They're just asked to do a lot, though. They're asked to generate – a lot offensively because up front it is a little bit thin. So um, they've been able to walk that balance. I think to their credit, they've, they've been able to to drive a lot of that play, but also obviously still take care of things on their own end. So um, definitely they're, they're stronger as asset for sure. I'm glad that our chat room brought this up. Uh, T. Konopoli says they need Perfetti and David uh, Martino says Perfetti would look good, but the replacements get a chance. Maybe this is a good way to kind of get your idea of, of uh, you know, kind of a backwards way of finding the value of a player like Perfetti. We've seen what he's done at the NHL level, but from what you saw of him earlier this season, what effect do you think, and we know it's not going to happen, so it's a what-if question, but what effect could a player like Cole Perfetti have had on this series if he was in it? 
Big effect. And you look around the league, a lot of teams have their first round type picks uh, going through this experience. Obviously, Cody Glass is an example of that. Uh, Jacob Peltier out uh, in Stockton, uh, he was a Calgary pick, uh, had a fantastic rookie season. Um, for a lot of those types of players, this is kind of the, the finishing school. Uh, going through a long playoff run. Um, I mean, Marty Natchez went through that a couple of years ago with, with Charlotte uh, before he went up full-time to Carolina. And, yeah, it's a great test, right? And this is, you, you'll, you'll hear coaches say this nonstop at this level. This is the best hockey you're going to get anywhere outside of the NHL, the Calder Cup playoffs. Uh, it's that kind of that final test, that final hurdle that you like to see a player handle uh, before it's time to, to make that full-time jump. So it would have been great, uh, and I think, Certainly for Perfetti, it would have been really helpful to see him in that environment. Uh, but like you said, wasn't to be. Yeah, one of those times where the rule that's meant to protect the player actually yeah, hurts the player, the player, right? Yeah. I mean, it's one of these strange things. Patrick, mm-hmm. just staying on Perfetti briefly, um, do you see him more as a center at the NHL level or is he best suited to play on the wing where he spent the majority of his time here this year? I know I, I was able to watch him a few times last year in the American League level when he was playing center. We know about his distribution ability and vision mm-hmm. and IQ. Where do you think he's best suited to play when, when he gets comfortable in being a regular? I, I mean, ideally, I, I just feel that centers are harder to find. So if you can make that work, that's, that's the ideal way to go. I think obviously wing is a little bit of an easier transition, especially early on before he does kind of find his way uh, completely in the NHL. So I'd like to see him start in the wing and then take it from there. If if, if it looks like he's capable of more, then you slowly uh, kind of hand more responsibility over to him, let him try that centerman role and uh, go from there. But I think, you know, obviously it's a huge jump uh, for players to come from the American Hockey League up to the NHL and do so on a full-time basis and be consistent. That's the biggest thing for players. I think that's the biggest difference between a high-end AHL player and someone in the NHL a lot of times is that consistency. So uh, anything I think you can do to to facilitate and smooth that transition to the NHL on a full-time basis uh, for a player, not just Perfetti, really anybody, um, I think that's where the wing would definitely uh, probably be an easier uh, move for him. There was a fun moment in the Jets training camp this year where Johnny Kovacevic, who's just an absolute gem of a human mm-hmm. being, uh, was was out talking with us. And before he'd come up, uh, Paul Maurice had been in before that and had referred to him and said, like, this guy's going to play in the NHL one day. Uh, and I remember asking him a question and saying, you know, Paul Maurice just said this about you. And you could tell he was floored and you could tell mm-hmm. it meant a ton to him. And he was thinking to himself, like, I know everyone dreams about it, but it was this moment of affirmation for him that you could just see it kind of brought him alive. Um, when you take a look at this, you know, Manitoba Moose defense core, you know, I think most of us see Sandberg did well this year. He's heading on his way. I think most of us suspect Hanla. How many of these guys do you think are going to end up being full-time NHLers? Well, uh, four, I, I would say. I would say Sandberg, Hanla, um, Chisholm, I really like his game and Kovacevic. I had actually had Kovacevic number three on my uh, ballot this year for the awards uh, mm. for defensemen, entire league. And it was a good year for young defensemen in this league, but I found him that impressive. I found him, he, he's that kind of player where that comfort level, he's at 100% comfort level this uh, at the American league level. And um, he's just able to handle it. And you, you see that, that composure. And that's, that's always one of the first things I think to look for, for a defenseman, in the American Hockey League is that level of composure. And 
Um, I'll give you someone like Jake Bean. Uh, that was uh, one of the first things that he showed early on in his career uh, with uh, coming to the American Hockey League as a first round pick was just that that calm, right? And you put him out there and you put him out for 20, 25 minutes a night and he's just more than anything else, he's calm and composed. And I think that's what NHL GMs love to see from their uh, young defensemen. Now let's move between the pipes, Patrick. Obviously, Eric Comrie is such a feel-good story this year, finally getting his chance. I mean, Mikhail Burton, we know everything about the personality, but such a unique situation, or not unique, it's an interesting situation for the Jets. He's going to be on a one-way deal. He is no longer waivers exempt. Is this a guy who could be ready to battle for the backup job, or how do you see Burton's future kind of playing out, Patrick? Yeah, you know, like, personally for me, I mean, if I were farther moves, he, he kind of gives me a a little bit of a, uh, you know, um, heartburn watching him play. <laughs> you know, you just, you see things that, you know, obviously like there's the, all the talents there, but then he'll do something completely out of left field. Right. Where you're like, what are you thinking? Right. Uh, so for me, that's where I, you know, I find that hard to watch at times. And uh, obviously <laughs> that would only be exaggerated and magnified at the Amer- or at the NHL level where all sorts of scrutinies on you and, uh, players will make you pay if you if you make a bad you know a bad decision you know just come out you know for a loose puck for example right you know you're just like what are you doing right like um, so sometimes I think he's a little bit too loose in that regard um, I, I'm such a Comrie um, you know fan of his story so like I want to see him really kind of make this a long term fit for him but uh, Burden I think will certainly you know he'll make a push. But um, for me, he's still, there's just that, that, I don't know, that level of I'm not entirely uh, comfortable with him if I'm, if I'm the Winnipeg Jets or, frankly, the Manitoba Moose at times. Just switching over to Winnipeg guy and Cody Glass was on earlier talking about, you know, and then I, I think this is so tough as a player, especially when you're a player who kind of gets picked further up the draft than you're expected to be picked. Then also when people start attaching the bust label to you, I think that that has got to be so hard to shake mentally. Where do you see Cody Glass's game? And is there still a path to being a significant player in the NHL ahead of him? I think there is. I I think there's been a big, this is maybe the last five, six years realization that players don't necessarily follow their own path. There's not, you know, a hard, you know, a hard, you know, cut and dry uh, timeline for player words, you know, well, he's not up there in two years, then write him off. And that used to be, a, that used to be something that happened all the time in the American hockey league. I mean, Weber, you know that as well as anybody, um, you know, players would get that label. Well, you know, he's not in the NHL after one year, um, cast him aside. I still think there's an NHL player there. I think Nashville and their system is, is a great fit for him. Carl Taylor, they're the head coach there in Milwaukee, um, you know, that, that is a pipeline that has sent tons and tons of players to the national predators for years. Um, if there's, uh, if there's a team that can kind of fine tune those, those rough edges in his game and get him to be that, that complete 200 foot, uh, two way player, I think Milwaukee, Carl Taylor, the Nashville system overall is the best chance of doing so. Patrick, we talked about him at the time of the trade for Andrew Pop, uh, Morgan Barron, uh, maybe willing to share what the Hartford coaches felt about him and then I'm also curious how we saw what kind of a role he took on with the Jets what's impressed you most about him and do you see him as being on maybe a middle six player or a guy who's maybe just on the verge of becoming an NHL regular after getting his longest taste at this level after the trade 
Yeah, the first thing that everybody brings up uh, with Hartford, for example, was the maturity level. Even when he came in uh, right off the bat, coming in from uh, Cornell, I uh, was like, you know, who is this kid? You know, he's like coming in as a composure of a 30-something type player rather than just a kid coming off a college campus. Um, so a real good leader in that way, um, kind of a low-key personality, but leads by example um, and, and quickly earned the respect of Chris Knobloch there in, in Hartford, somebody who's been at the NHL level, somebody who coached Connor McDavid, you know, so he knows, you know, he knows uh, what it's like to, to, to deal with younger players. And, um, and that's the thing for me. I, I think ideally if, if you're the Winnipeg Jets, he fits in really nice as like a, a good solid third line centerman uh, who won't hurt you. And maybe, you know, if, if he really kind of reaches his peak, he can be a, a little bit of an offensive contributor, but I think first and foremost, you're going to get somebody, I think that, Maybe would be sort of an Andrew Cop uh, 2.0. Um, maybe that's that's the ceiling for him. But uh, you know he's not there yet, obviously. But but I, I really like the pickup for the Jets. I thought I thought they did quite well considering you know they were kind of you know the hands were a little bit tied with that deal uh, to be able to pull uh, Morden Barron, somebody I think that had a lot of fans uh, within the New York Rangers. Um, I think that was a big that was a big move uh, by the Jets. Patrick, who, when we decided to do our very first uh, Kenny and Rennie AHL show, we thought, you know, we got to do it with a bang. And if we want credibility, you got to get the best to get credibility. Uh, we got the best and you coming on the show. And it means a ton that you came to join us. Thank you so much for sharing your insights. It's great to see you. Absolutely. Glad to be back uh, talking and talking with you guys. Awesome. Talk to you later, Patrick. Enjoy Thank the rest you. of the playoffs. Appreciate it, my friend. Thank you. And before we do go, Ken, uh, I got to get your thoughts on this. I know that uh, our audience made it clear with some of the last shows, but we want to make sure that we're bringing in the, the, the experts to talk about it. You know, that means going to different shows and that's all over the place. But one of the things uh, that we you know, need to make sure we do is get you know, our own platform here. Uh, I just wanted to get your idea and offer a little buffet to get <laughs> uh, for an idea of what you yeah, I mean, I was really impressed, like I said, whether it starts at the top. Mark Morrison set the tone right from their first practice. I wasn't down at the ice bucks, but I listened to the majority of the He just set a very calm tone. Although he knows his group needs more, there isn't any panic. And I mean, he said it right away. He said, this isn't a best of seven series when you're down two, when you're down three, nothing and need to win four. In a best of five, things can turn in a snap of a finger. If the Moose win one, all of a sudden, now you plant the seed of doubt. And if you can get to game four, now suddenly the old snowball is rolling down the avalanche here. So for me, I think it started at the top. You heard it from the players. Obviously, there's some element of message tracking in the playoffs, but you can't fake belief, Sean. We've all been in those rooms where sometimes it's 2 nothing, and the team knows that it's over. That, to me, isn't the case with the Manitoba Moose. During the course of the year, they've won three games or more six different times. And again, one of those, part of that streak was two wins over the Milwaukee Admirals. So again, is it going to be easy for them to come back and win three in a row? Of course not. If it were easy, they wouldn't be down to nothing. But at the same time, if you're Mark Morrison, you can go in that room saying your team deserved at least a split and you could just as easily be up two to nothing. He knows that he has some offensive weapons that have not been able to get going offensively yet. He knows he has a group that he can lean on. There's good leaders, there's good young players, there's guys who can elevate their game. 
and I would expect the Moose to deliver an impressive performance. And they were fourth in the NHL in home ice wins during the course of the year. I think the stat was seven that they had at the Hustler Show. It's over 700 they played at home in terms of winning percentage. I would expect them to be very sharp. I would expect guys like, you know, guys like Billy Hainala to have a massive game here in the season. We heard, of, we heard it from Morgan Barron when he came down. His goal is to win the Calder Cup. His goal isn't just to go through the motions for two weeks and get ready for an extended off-season vacation. This group has sort of had a stick-together kind of attitude all year long. I would expect them to play their best game of the year, and I would expect uh, Mikhail Burden to be the guy that needs to make the saves that are directed his way. And if they can get to Devin Cooley, then you know, who knows what can happen. Uh, I'm expecting an entertaining game. As the conductor of the Gus Bus, I'm looking forward to seeing him live for the first time this season. And I, again, I expect David to be a big driver in this game here this evening. Uh, he knows that he doesn't want his playoffs to be over after three games. Uh, and yeah, I, I just think the Moose are going to have a solid effort. They'll be prepared, they'll be ready, and it should be a fun atmosphere. I think Mark Morris is the important point, and that point being a Game 5 series being down 2-0 in a Game 5 series is miles, miles different from being down 3-0 in a Game 7 series. And I've always said this before. There's no doubt about it. All the pressure lies squarely on the shoulders of the Manitoba Moose tonight. But if the Manitoba Moose can win tonight, then it's been always been my belief that that Game 4, the pressure entirely shifts to the other team because now they're in a situation where if they lose that next game, suddenly they're going into a winner-take-all game in the opposition team's barn and all the momentum is gone. And if you do that in this series, in a series where that team may just feel like they snuck away with game one and game two, then all of a sudden if you can win this one, you leave that opposing team with the feeling that, well, we're up to one in this series but boy, oh boy, if we lose this next one, we hand over all the momentum. But really, we've probably been outplayed in all three games in this series. And maybe we just woke up that monster. The, the other part that you're talking about is the calm nature by which the Manitoba Moose coaching staff, Mark Morrison, have handled this. Reminds me of the talk that happened on Hockey Night in Canada last night about the Leafs and Sheldon Keefe. Um, I too was impressed. I thought they did a good job of kind of showing how calmly he handled that situation. Uh, and this is a team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, th through what they've been through for as long as they've been through with all these first round exits, have reason to panic. And I think when you are that stoic as a coach, um, you know, I, I think the nerves of the Toronto Maple Leafs showed in that first round. But if you can continue to show that belief, Eventually, if your players, you know, can get their feet underneath them in that game, that belief starts paying off. And Derek Meach brought up belief. I believe Patrick brought up belief. The thing we keep hearing time and time again is this Moose team believes in itself. Having a calm, cool hand at the rudder of this ship, I think, is going to – I put it this way. I think the coaches – have done everything that they could do to put the Manitoba Moose in a good spot here. We'll see if they can take advantage of it. And boy, oh boy, look out with Yeah, exactly. And it's funny. I mean, Patrick talked about coverage of the uh, American League, but the 
my first year on the beat uh, back at the 2001 International Hockey League Turner Cup playoffs. Uh, the Moose were down 3-1 to one to the Houston Arrows and they got a double overtime win in Game 6 and then won on the road again in Game 7. Uh, it was one of those memorable series early on in your coverage of the career. Similar kind of about it. it just reminds me, this team kind of remind, again, totally different leagues. That was a veteran team, everything else. But the Moose kind of have the components to kind of rally the same way that they did in 2001. And now uh, yeah, we'll see if they can take, take the first step in that process. Excellent stuff. Uh, I want to thank all our guests who joined us. Dave Bennett from Legal Curve. Uh, Derek Beach from the Manitoba Blues, and of course Patrick Williams from uh, AHL.com. I want to thank you again for your I know you're in your element down there, and looking forward to enjoying your uh, help tonight. Uh, I hope you do so. And for everyone who joined us in the chat room, uh, we always have a lot of recognizable faces and names here. We really appreciate you doing the along for the rise. Content. We really appreciate that you've been there to consume it. Thank you so much. Enjoy the game tonight, everybody, and we hope to talk to you all soon.